0: And now another episode of Mind Escape with Michael and Maurice. Take it away, Michael.
1: All right, folks. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 15 today. Uh, We're going to do Detroit music scene and uh, producing music with our buddy, uh, Chris McIntosh. Hello. What up? (laughs) (laughs) all right let's jump right into this thing um so you are responsible for producing two of the better albums to come out of the detroit area in my opinion we got life after life and uh by simplicity and incredible consequence by bump um what uh how much of like their input did you use when you were recording these albums and how much of it was just uh kind of go with the flow and see what works and see what doesn't work. Uh,
2: the two different bands experience was entirely different. Um, Simplicity for life after um, did a lot of a number of the recordings outside of Mac tech. And then we brought that stuff back and uh, re-edited it, put a bunch of stuff in there. Um, it, it, but as far as your original question, what, what, you know, what was the process? So they had these, these backbones and these tunes and we filled, they filled in the gaps. Um, I was a uh, catalyst in that process, you know, probably egging people on sometimes probably more than I should have. But um, but it was a very joint process. A lot of people were there, although sometimes there was just one or two of us when we would cut certain individual tracks and whatnot. But uh,
0: How long did that Simplicity album take? Uh, oh, um,
2: life After, I don't even remember. I mean, it was extensive by the time they had recorded what they did. Uh, and brought it to me, but you know, I'm going to say it was over a, a few months, you know, at least. Yeah. And what was really kind of cool is that they brought some of the gear um, that they used in New York um, down to the studio, so I had, it was nice to experience some all the different types of some different microphones and different preamplifiers and stuff. But yeah, it was a I believe it was a two three month process, and you know. Um, it was every day. They're they're coming down. they are cutting this, cutting that. A lot of the drums were done outside. So
0: they uh, had, had all, all the,
2: they had, they all had all of the music, music
0: written for that?
2: It was it was nearly the versions of. So they had written the skeleton out in New York for life after, and a lot of the drums were the actual recordings from back in New York, and then. Wherever we saw fit, we would fill in the gaps. Um, certainly, vocals and all that was done locally, and and guitars, guitar solos, uh, and that sort of stuff. But um,
1: so sorry. you were you were saying. Uh, Sometimes there'd be one or two people working on something and everybody else would be gone. So how does that work in terms of like, I mean, I know look, I mean, I play music too. I actually record my band using Logic Pro and I do everything for us, but I actually like having somebody else do it and then have their input on stuff because it's just another mind there. It's like almost another instrument. So like how much when it was just you and that other person was like, did you then have to wait for them to get back together to hear the takes and see which take worked the best? Or was it something that happened organically where you guys were like, that's it, throw that on there. And then the other dudes would come in and be like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Or how did that work?
2: It was a mixture of, it was a mixture of both scenarios, Uh, especially with guitar. You know, Brian, she is phenomenal guitar player. And when he would just land one, that was it. You know that that was done. Um, other various parts. Some other people would. I don't want to use the word nitpick, but if it came <laughs> down to that, it would be all right. We why don't we craft this, or why don't we shape this, or produce this a little bit differently? A lot of that was avoided because that's what we did in that recording process was to dance around a little bit. But let me get back to something that you asked. Like, what was the difference? You know, that was yeah. the, way, the the the, the the way the, that bump worked, it was um, a little bit different. It was a little bit more intense. It was a three-month process, but it was their gear here all the time. Microphone cables ran throughout the house. Um, things getting done every single day. It was all here, two here. These
1: people- So they were kind of Led Zeppelin-y. They were like, let's rent the castle and I'll fucking hang out in the castle and get all the done kind of a mentality.
2: Well, yeah, it was, yeah let, let's, you know, these people would patch up this wall this day and this, this day, This you know, this group of people would patch up this wall. I mean, a huge uh, influence on that entire record is, is, is Evan Perry as well, but we were there, catalyst the catalyst, the entire time for that process for them and it wanted to provide a good open, comfortable, wide open space where it was, whoever was there, it's just, that's what kind of happened that day. Um, there were some days where, you know, Stir would just crank out some stuff. We listen back, and, and um, York had a great, great vision for that record. And he might say, "Oh, let's revisit this, revisit that." And everybody said, "Let's revisit this." You know, you know, everybody had Clabbs, uh, Nance, Clint, Stir, uh, York. Everybody revisited it all the time, and it was just a constant challenge, especially with Evan in the house because he, he wouldn't let anything squeak by, you know, so he, that was um, a huge limit. So the two processes were different. I don't know if what I explained actually defines what the difference was, but um, one was, it was a little bit more laid back and one was just a blanket of intensity that, that just occurred for 90 days straight minimum. And
1: inc- the bump incredible consequence was the intense one is what you're saying.
2: Yeah, that, that was, that
1: was a world you can can feel that in the music for sure like when I listen to that whole CD um, I mean it's been a little bit I used to listen to it a lot but um, you can feel the like stirs guitar licks it's almost like spread out and just so much ethereal intensity behind some of those little uh, runs on some of that stuff it's like um, like what you're saying is how they recorded it that comes through the music I think which is actually interesting if you think about when when people record albums, well, there's definitely a theme, and that theme is whatever's driving that music at the time. You know?
2: Yeah, I mean that's exactly how it was. It was just a flurry of activity, and we chased after you know every angle, whether it was the recording, do it again, do it again, do it, you know, rerun it. Uh, and mixing was an entirely different, whole different animal than just producing. You know, I mean, as far as the production of it, like. But yeah, it was a flurry of activity, a lot of input. But uh, with uh, what I attempted to do was try to lasso all that energy. And of course, like I said, with with Evan being a huge creative input um, and a catalyst in that in that process. Whereas we, our job is simply this: what's in here goes on a set of speakers, and mm-hmm. that's the bottom line.
0: Well, I think you did a good job
2: at that. So. I appreciate that. We I've enjoyed I still listen to it. I mean it's so do I, so do I.
1: Yeah, I do too. I
2: I was a part of it, but I thought it was the writing, the their intent, their vision is what happened. I was lucky enough to be a part of that catalyst behavior, but what I think they had up here got up there.
1: Well, and I think both of those are very, I mean, with everybody from the area that we're from, obviously, everybody kind of knows about it, anybody that's really into music. Um, and I even when I, I lived here in Chicago, I still do. Um, Bump would come through here, Simplicity would come through here, I'd definitely check out their shows, and it was always a, a big old dance party. So um, there was something going on with the music and the scene, and then just what was uh, happening in terms of uh, what everybody was listening to and what they were into, and that was... It, you know, like Detroit's gone through different phases throughout the history with rock and glam rock and different, you know, metal and different stuff. And if you look at that, it was almost like the little jam band. I mean, it's still kind of going on for that, you know, I guess to that point, but you know, there's always this like underground music scene in Detroit and it's always really cool stuff. Um, but I think that that specific little lip in time, where there was something special going on, you know,
2: it, it was, it was, it was super special. Um, We raised all kinds of hell, um, with noise and just (laughs) for every, uh, for every song that got recorded, there was, you know, angel got its wings (laughs) for every song that was recorded. There was five hours of random jamming and capturing cool stuff. You know what I mean? So it it was, uh, and not, to, I mean, there's a, sl- a slug of bands, you know, that you can put, you know, News and New Dawn. I mean, all these little random, in Hogan says, you know, yeah. and, and working with LLE, um, a couple bands up north. There were a few times it was kind of funny that, that a friend of a friend of a friend you know, from working with me, would go out and it would reach to Chicago, it reached to far up north, it would reach, you know, to certain parts of town getting calls from folks from doing that activity. That's what I mean, mine I'm, I'm most proud of is, is uh, I mean, not to, not to repeat myself, but get what's here, out, out there, and uh, that's what all that work was for.
1: Yeah, I mean, all that stuff really did get out. I actually remember when we were all fucking around in Kalamazoo. Uh, I remember listening to Simplicity play. I think they played, it was like Higher Grounds in Vermont or something. And we were like listening to it on, I don't want to say it was a podcast, but it was like the radio oh, yeah, the internet. It was like kind of like a new thing at the time. Ben Kim like, had it. Yeah. And then look at where we are now with all this stuff, this technology and all the streaming and all sorts of stuff. But uh yeah, I mean, I just remember, like, man, these guys are killing it, and they're doing it in different states and different uh, regions and different stuff. So, like I said, there was something special going on there. It's unfortunate that I don't think that, you know, either of those bands or some of the other bands that you mentioned, for that matter, really got the attention that they deserve just because of what music is now, and it's more of a money-driven marketing thing of who looks the best or who can hit the highest note and less about the actual substance behind, you know, the music.
2: Yeah. I mean, that can for sure happen. Uh, to back up just a little bit on the process of everything, what what you had just uh, talked about was what a unique time, it, at least my experience has been, you know, in 1991, you know you buy uh, you get the little fostex four track right and I'm like, actually, we're just wanting to play some tunes and we were blown away you know oh gee you know you can do one and you can do two and you can hear yourself jam you know what i mean with right but you hear it through your own speakers and that from that point in time till now now you know maybe you know there's all kinds of stuff going on but um there's been a, I'm going to say we're not plateauing, but near there in terms of just a plethora of technology that's out there. But my point is, when you look back and think that the experiences, even and the aforementioned you know, uh, subjects of the bands and the simplicity and bump and the technology, some of the experiences I personally went through with that technology phase, with that um, you know, continuous improvement mentality, to get better gear, to get better things, and one, you know, once upon a time it was tape. Once upon a time it was two, you know, two outboard tape machines simpting together, in this kind of stuff. And then there was ADAT, and then there was this, and then there was that next thing. Next thing you know, you've just got a gigantic mixing board and USB into your interface, and I, uh, the the whole process lended itself to you know what? We don't have to deal with all these weird technical issues. We can just do what we want to do when we do it, and it's you know, a bazillion times cheaper than what it used to take to go into a studio and actually accomplish the things that we did. So,
0: well, how much different do you think the albums would be if you recorded them, like, say, today, or you know, around this year? Would it be completely different because of the technology? Or oh, I mean,
2: between when we did it and
0: now, the technology wouldn't technically be different.
2: Oh, okay.
1: I'll I'll throw in a, just another curveball. all that stuff was analog, wasn't it?
2: Well, when, when we're talking about way back in the day, you know, what your home studio was, which is what I did, was yeah, tape, you know what I mean? This was just like cassette tapes that went in and, Right. You know, and all of a sudden, you know, um, when the digital world came in, and I'm a huge proponent of that stuff, I, you know, Back in the day, there might have been issues with it, but the translating of analog into digital is perfectly fine. It works just fine today, especially when you, the way you want to mix it. It's all a big mush. It all works out. My point is that it wasn't such a huge production to say, you want to come back to this song on Monday, and you had to load the tape, wind the tape, mm-hmm. put the mixer exactly where it was, take notes, nothing was automated. I mean, with yeah, the, that's the big studio, whereas even with the little 4-track, you have to remember how was it set, how was my input set, what volume was my input, I mean, all that stuff, all that went away, because it's all pre-programmed right into the interface. But the point being that the creative process, you know, if I, I, my part was managing all those what became minute engineering sort of details, then the only left thing to worry about was equipment and people buy great equipment, you get great microphones, you get good converters, and all of a sudden, what Led Zeppelin you made a reference earlier, you know, many, many years ago, sure, I'm not arguing the tonality of records like that, but a process to manage something like what they accomplished is quite a different. You know, quite a bit different. Excuse me. <laughs> quite a bit, a bit of money. But, yeah. Well, it's quite a, yeah, it's not only big money, but the point is that you can get there as a creative person and you don't have to be led up and to afford to do something like
1: that. Sure. Yeah. What uh now what you were just saying about the the technology and everything, was it Was I think digital was coming around when you were doing those albums? Did you was there any discussion, or was it just all analog and that's just how it was going to be? Because that's what most gear was. Or
0: no, for for
2: the uh, simplicity and bump, it was pure AD. It was you know analog recording gear, microphone, you know analog microphones, preamplifiers, mixing boards, and then converted at some point using different gears at different time to AD that. Um, back in the day when I had uh, um, early Mac Tech, it was a cassette tape and a mixing board, and so it was technically all analog. You had analog mm-hmm. signals hitting a board and you're recording on a tape, even though it was just you know small little cassette tape instead of the big two inch reels, whatever uh, people were using. But um, it, it, the point of it was having good microphones, good gear, and good converters
1: what uh I, obviously i think mike's kevin and i have re- learned this i mean like you know we mess around but these mics that we got these sure one of the seven b's i mean it's like i tried other mics i'm like this thing blows this shit so i think mics are huge into that now when you are doing like recording the vocals and stuff like you did with yorg or you know sheen or uh uh any of the guys from simplicity what, did you isolate would they, you know i've been over i think one when, when hogan says was recording and you had uh hogan in the little booth alone, oh! wailing, wailing out his little angel voice um, but was that something you did all the time or did you ever try and capture like colored sound with something in the background or like light you know something else or was it always just isolate the vocals and then mix it from there
2: no it was definitely not about isolate the vocals it all had to do with what's in here gets out so depending on the vision is how you want to record it so when you want to put the vocals in a certain position or a certain space or a certain ambience um, you're thinking about how the best way you want to capture it so if you if you want to capture it really dry and build that space around the music, then you record it dry, and you build that space using the different you know, techniques and, and, and that kind of th- uh, stuff. But inherently, in the vocal, if I, to record a vocal that has an echo like that, then that's how we would record it. We did a, a number of vocals with uh, a project that I did with Ryan Sheehan from Simplicity, the back-off. And we did some vocals with simplicity there, where we would actually use um, the front room with the microphone and you want to encapsulate and capture that space. When you go to mix it, you can't take that out. So that's where the threshold comes in, is where do I want the position of these vocals to be? Because if you record it with this much space, but it's supposed to sound like that, then you have to record it isolated and then you build it into the space. However, if where you want the vocal to be big, you don't worry about going smaller. Then you record it in a more authentic environment for best,
0: you know,
1: placement. Gotcha. Uh,
0: you want to talk a little bit about recording Tony Newhand from uh, Natives of the New Dawn?
2: Is that him specifically? Yeah. Oh, awesome. I mean, he, he was... Uh, I mean the vocals, the keyboard playing, the musicality. The he had a, a, a huge vision on how a lot of stuff. I
0: mean, all of them did. You know. Did I mean? you have to put him outside the room or something because he was so loud?
2: Um, I don't know if I recall that specifically. But, <laughs> uh, I might just be making this shit up right now. I don't know. <laughs> when uh, no, but when Tony would 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 belt, I mean it's loud. I mean we did oh, yeah. a bunch of recordings that we did. I remember. We did what's called a midside um, um, re- uh, capture technique with, you know, with with, with microphones and stuff. Just because he would project s- with such intensity that the after- shatter windows. Well, um, yeah, definitely. But the way that he would sing, that you wouldn't necessarily guess it, but because of the way that we capture the microphone, the midside. If you listen to the record, it, it, at a minuscule level, you'll hear his voice barely waver back and forth so he's really intense you catch him from back and depending on literally inches back from from his inflection point that it would be captured weighted to the left and right on the midside side technique we didn't do all his vocals that way but definitely he could just he's got a craft he can just yeah
1: play. he's got some pipes i saw a flick a clip of uh fluff their gig um, and he, I think he came on with them and sang uh, Wolfman's Brother. This dude was belting it out.
2: Yeah, and besides the singing, Billy, just just had a vision. was just...
0: Knew what he, you know what I mean? Everybody... Yeah, he's a sick musician, for sure. Oh, uh,
2: man, and he just... It was just... It was a great, fantastic experience as far as I'm concerned. They did a, they did a great job. I did a bunch of stuff with, with that gang.
1: What do you consider your, your... Out of all this, all the stuff you've done all the years you've been doing it, what do you consider your masterpiece? It can even be something that you've done yourself. Is it, I mean, it doesn't have to be another band. Do you have something that you're just so proud of? You're like, this is fucking it right here. It's fucking Wagnalls, well, bro. Well, that's what I
2: was going to say. <laughs> I don't know if I could specifically put the nail in the tune, but I would say that stuff that I did... Um, I mean, I had, you know, a few bands back in the day that I recorded some stuff. I had jam sessions even to the tune of two or three weeks ago that just are fun to listen to. Um, but if I, I don't know. I don't know what my masterpiece I guess I, I don't think I could judge what my masterpiece is. I'd have to ask everybody who's known me my entire life. You know, my masterpiece is whoever walked away happy as a customer my masterpiece is whoever walked away is a musician that said they're fucking proud of that. You know, you know, um, Scott Fargo made a fantastic record here. Uh, Gretchen Wolf made a fantastic, you know, in simplicity. All the guys did. They made individual tunes. Evan and I um, have done countless ridiculous tunes over the day. Um, you know, uh, with the Gerbil Master, but <laughs> and Kevin, and, you know, he has done a bunch of tunes here and. And I threw some feces at the
0: wall over there. I'll tell you that.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, if we could be a fly in the wall or if the walls could talk. But so I guess my masterpiece <laughs> is, is I would just say my masterpiece is having the, uh, the heartbeat and the brain and the ears to, and the means to try and do what we all accomplished.
0: Um, I was going to say one of the big things I took from uh, going over there, I met so many cool people. You know, it, it was a. Uh, Great an awesome people. time.
2: You know, that's what I'm most proud of. I get, you know, is that, it's just the influence. These people didn't know these people until whew, we come down and we you have a massive jam session, and then there's yeah. chips born out of that, and different bands who like, were at fisticuffs. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, you're at, at Max, Recording. Oh, we're opening the door and bringing equipment down the stairs, and people are like, oh, all right, well, cool. Yeah, let's have a beer. Let's, you know. Yeah. Um, just the just the knocking of all the passion is I I guess that's what my uh what I'm most proud of is that it was a place for all that shit to clash.
0: Yeah, I broke a couple guitars and uh, had a couple brews. Couple. Whew,
1: yeah. <laughs> now is that that little wrinkle in time, is that something that you now you looking back like at it, you're like, okay, this is what this was. This was like in a bottle. But do you when looking towards the future, is that something you're trying to recreate or recapture at any point? Or is that just something that kind of is what it is and you just move forward and do what you do. And then can't it, recreate hap- that. if world. it happens again, it happens again. If it doesn't, it doesn't kind of a thing.
2: It's kind of a, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it does. you know, I've, I've been um, a professional person the entire time. I mean, prof- I mean, not that anybody else is not professional, but I've always had my career. You know, I, uh, I studied, I worked hard to get certain credentials. Um, next Thursday, I, I hit my 20-year anniversary at my company. And I've, Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. they have had a handful of positions that have just basically defined who I am and are a major part of my life, just as recording music and, and, and more has been. So when I record something, if somebody said, hey, I want to record this next Friday, absolutely. Put the time on the books. Uh, you know get the equipment it's all out everything's like it used to be the mics are drums the amplifiers are the down there, there's plenty of guitars and there's plenty of spirit so to answer your question yeah I, I would do it again you know could i take on like a project like bump did back in 2005 2006 um probably not in the space that i live in these days because um it's just it's a little different right <laughs> being engaged to a very special person Juliana Jones uh, oh, congrats and the it's that's not where if, if it happens here sure it can happen here that was a medley of uh, you know wake up on uh, Sunday morning and say what just happened the last five days but <laughs> uh, but to answer your question, I, I absolutely would. I'd love to you know, make music uh, like I said, we record and look back and play back what we listen to, put some tweaks on it, still mix it, play with it a little bit. The whole activity, the whole a task of, of accomplishing this to the speakers, something I'd always do, if not just for what I my buddies play, but if somebody needed help.
1: Right on. So but kind of like a uh, piggyback off that last question. Did you, fe- did you feel like when you, the, when you were in that moment that you truly were in that moment or was it just something that you're just doing what you do and it just so happened that that's what was, or were you like able to have scope in the, in the scenario special shit going on here? Um, I mean, it was, it,
2: you never thought about it to thing like, Oh, I I'm in the moment when, when it was happening just did it and we had a great time and it wasn't until it's like for every day that you stop doing it then you start thinking about what it meant to be in that moment so here I am X amount of years later and you think back and go god damn was that fun you know uh, would I want to wake up and do that tomorrow no not, not necessarily but at the time you're just doing it and and Everybody, that's what life is all about. Looking back and reflecting and reflecting. That was a great time.
0: Yeah, I think it's really hard to fucking enjoy something in the moment because you don't know. You're doing it and you're doing it. And then when you look back, you go, damn, that was incredible. I don't know if that actually will ever happen again. But when you're doing it, you don't even think about that.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, sure, you can be at a show or you can be looking over a mountain and a second later, you can be like, oh, my God, it feels so great to be here. Talking about what we're talking about, it's hard for me to, I guess, say, like, when I was doing that, was I at a breathtaking peak on a mountain, or was it, like, the moment my son was born, or was it, like, you know, the moment I met Juliana? You know, you're, that th- those, these are things that are so important, because that it defines who I am. It's what I've done for a long time. It's so love music and all that kind of stuff that you look back now and think, Golly, wasn't that fun? It was fun at the time. Don't get me wrong. And you say, "Look, this is fun," but like I said, what I was proud of is I look back and you realize that this many years just blows by, and you think, "Man, that was a really special time."
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just like the SNLs. Like they always ask those guys, "Do you guys did you realize it was a special moment?" And they're just like, "No, we were just working our asses off. You know, all you were focused on was getting the skit the skit done, and you know, making it as best as you can." Same thing with Seinfeld. He couldn't enjoy it because he was working so hard. Then you look back and go, damn, that's one of the best times of my life. But whatever. I think that's just human. That's natural human shit, you know?
2: Absolutely. You look back and go, god damn, that was fun. Um, And you came at the time, but sometimes what you thought was fun at the moment, you look back a day later and you're probably, like, embarrassed to tell anybody that it ever happened.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, the other weird thing, too, is okay so all that stuff happened in in your house in your basement and in your closets and wherever anything was being recorded isn't it weird though that like you can have something like incredible consequence like you said just like It's very intense because that's what they were doing was something that was very intense. And then Simplicity was a little bit more laid back. And, you know, you can feel that in their music, too. It's just, you know, like Manistee or, you know, Put Your Gun Down. So like any of that stuff, it's all super chill, awesome stuff. And it's just it's weird that all of that music that's so diverse, that's so different. all kind of has this like personality that's based like it's you're almost like your house is a living thing and these are like you know creatures that were given birth out of it.
2: Well, <laughs> we probably gave birth to a lot of things down here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Even Brad, dude. That's fucking nasty that. that's nasty. Yeah. I got God fist fights, you know, hugs,
0: yeah. get, tears, tears vomit it was
2: just. It was a. I couldn't say. It, you know. Again, it was just a, amazing time to to, to work and have fun and just do the stuff. I mean, you could. I have Like I said, I had my professional job, but work my dick off all day, and you come home, and there'd be three guys parked outside mm-hmm. the street. You know what I
0: mean?
2: <laughs> stir, clint, and stir, and you pull in the driveway, and the moment you walk in, you crack a beer, and you turn on microphones, and you start getting shit done, and. And you did it until two in the morning sometimes.
0: It's actually a pretty good idea for a sitcom. (laughs) I work my ass off by day. Oh, if we had our cameras now. And then at night, I unleash. now.
1: (laughs) Do you, uh, is that, so is is recording your passion then? Is that like your thing or is music in general? Or like what specifically would you consider your passion
2: And it's probably, if you were asked, what year?
1: um, Okay, yeah, that's a better question. When you got into all this stuff, like what about, obviously you play music, you record music, you're around music, you produce music. What what specifically is like your passion involved with all that? Or is it just the music, the common glue between it? Well,
2: um, what my original passion was, was playing the guitar and playing the drums and writing music and then having the ability to learn how to capture my own stuff and then i just upgraded this equipment upgrade this equipment upgrade this equipment was just became absolutely fascinated with capturing tone. no matter if it was guitar or drums i mean the, the complexities and redundancies i went through trying to learn how to do all this crap that's that's what drove it all was i could record my own stuff and then when it kind of branched off that all right i'm starting to have this you know this this affinity towards
1: how old were you when you started doing all this um
2: it's 91 Uh, i i guess it was was, his second year in college emma wasn't even born yet So
1: so you were kind of a late bloomer in the whole music thing you didn't get into it till after you'd been out of high school and everything
2: no, I started playing guitar when I was eleven. 12, okay. Twelve years old and drums, you know, the next year after that, whenever I I couldn't have a drum kit in the house, but whenever I could play one, I was obsessed with it.
0: That was outright defiant.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sent to military school and all made, but that's when the, the, the guitar and the writing and we became obsessed with jamming and my friends and growing up. And then as soon as it became to that ninety one time frame is when the whole onset of capturing, the whole recording stuff started to kick in because I started to work with some guys in college and whatnot. Oh started like with
1: a talk boy and then worked your way up the...
2: I mean, yeah. But we were a neat a grasshopper, <laughs> learning Metallica yeah. tunes, you know, Guns and Roses tunes. Van Halen's been my favorite. The first thing I learned Christmas night was a little bit of uh, eruption. You know what I mean? When I was 12 years old, just a little guy. But so it's been this, the whole being a musician, uh, being a part of it being created, being a part of it being captured, being a catalyst and making other people do it. Um, it's kind of the the force
0: that, of where I'm at. Yeah, man, you've inspired a lot of people. Well, I don't you've know. I'd be pretty fascinated that. that. That's great. I mean, that's what it was all for. Not joking, yeah.
2: To be involved, you know.
1: Well I think too too like you, you not only did you inspire people but you were also the vehicle that allowed them to do their dream. You wow. know like you you helped facilitate people's dreams by recording albums because that's what an album is it's a dream it's I'm going to take a piece of my soul write all these songs you know and put this stuff together and its passion and its love and then you are the person that kind of like sews it all together not that, you know, obviously the band writes everything and, and does a lot of the organizing stuff, but to have that person there, not only that, but you knowing what you know and how to do it, and the technology and the gear that you, you supply to sell, you know, it's a lot of stuff involved with that. So, I mean, you really did help facilitate some people's dreams, you know?
2: Well, yeah, I guess, you know, I, I, again, I say that word catalyst. The, the, the people that I've worked with through the years, they worked to write their stuff. They worked to to create. They created it. I didn't create anything. What I was there for was just like a, a tool for them to filter through. So some guys did, really weren't interested in giving a rat's ass what I suggested. I want it to sound like this, and or if I had an idea, no, that's not what we want to do. And that's fine. But then I was just like purely engineer, purely capture um, sort of a behavior. But when it all just became disintegrated being a part of, yes, I, I, I that's what I'm proud of is facilitating what people had their heads to what went on speakers. And that's, and, and, uh, that was a lot. Yeah,
0: it's almost like they provide the painting, but you're the paper in the frame no
2: it, um they bring their own paper they bring them <laughs> paint they bring their own brush you're the
1: art dealer yeah
2: I, I i get i'm the guy that tell them up at different times to get the fuck off their ass and paint <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. i don't mean a big motivation i guess i was just again just a, an idea guy
1: Whoa, whoa, bro! I like my metaphor, Matt. Yeah, the world, the world needs idea guys and visionaries. That's part of the problem. We got a lot of doers, not a lot of thinkers. You know.
2: <laughs> well, it's it, it was it was it was a, and it's all translated into different parts of my life. Right now, I'm an IT guy, so I've always been a tacky, a decal guy, a OCD type of guy when it comes to certain things about patching micro cables into this, into that. Well, that all translated into setting up. Servers and you no know, understanding how networks work and all that kind of stuff. It's all about pipes, water, and on and off. So it's all been for for things that even speak outside of music, but the whole engineering process altogether.
1: What uh, in terms That's a bad of motherfucker? <laughs> in terms of like when you're recording um, these bands. I, like you said, there are certain bands that say, Hey, this is how it's going to be. This is the way I want. And then there's other bands that want your opinion and you give it. So like a piece of you enters the equation then, but has there any been, been, or is there, I guess, ever been anybody that came down there with an exact idea that you helped them facilitate that the way they exactly wanted it. And it came out fucking amazing. Like I am sure most of the stuff you've done like that, but has there any been like one thing where you were surprised that what they had envisioned worked out in that in that way because there was no collaboration, really?
2: Um, There's there's always been some sort of collaboration. I'm not sure that I could pick out something that said, uh, somebody that came down and said, all, right, all I want you to do is to record this.
1: Just hit record, and I'll do the fucking rest. Yeah, I, I,
0: nothing Really, was... God surprises me, actually. I would think someone would come down, arrogant motherfucker, and, you know... Well, you I like. I want to record this. Just just push the record button, and I already have it all figured out. <laughs> well, there was there was some,
2: but I again.
1: It, <laughs> we want the names right now.
2: <laughs> but that was the kind of the. Uh, I guess that's what made me different than than other studios in there. Everybody has great people that work in different studios, but I, that was the flavor. People, um, I can't maybe that's why I can't remember because that's just what they wanted to hear. And eh, I wasn't impressed with that, but yeah, um, the, the, there were some people that were pretty strict on this is the way I want it sounds. We want to do it. Um, but usually there was, you know, a door open with, with most of the people I remember working with, um, that said, Hey, Hey, what do you think? Now, there's been bands that, that, um, play something, and they say, "What do you think?" And I say, "Oh, it's that'll work just fine."
0: Because
2: mm. I know it ain't getting any better. <laughs> but I use the word "ain't," you know, I'm good, But, but I—it's—I don't want to use the term "beginner." It was like it—it—it it, it, it wasn't ripe. It, you know what I mean? It wasn't a situation. So you just kind of say, "You know what? This was an experience for these folks." They don't know anything. They're, they're they're very new in in the process. Right. Quite frankly,
1: which they wouldn't understand. You explained it. They didn't know anything. We get it. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I remember. I remember one time it was like the first solo I had to play there. I think it was for Citrus. Man, I was dumping my drawers.
1: And probably like, really did right, he he have some poo. He had some poo. <laughs>
2: I never <laughs> even played <laughs> it. Yeah. Anyway. I listened that the other day, Kevin, and I thought, yeah. look at.
1: <laughs> had some, he had some diapers for you. Oh, I, so
0: I played it. the notes. I played very seldom notes. I just wanted to make sure they were a note, a note that would go over the chord sequence. But that was a good and Then, then the well, Mac, Yeah, project. then you put a ton of uh, delay on it. Yeah. The LLE project was great. Yeah, fun stuff, man.
1: So, uh, one more question I got for you. I, I know you're into psychology too. Do you think, since a uh, little think experiment here, do you think? if you had been doing all this in an actual studio, like a separated building in some commercial or business district, as opposed to your house, do you think that has an effect on people? Like besides all the chicanery that was going on with the drinking and people just hanging out and having fun, obviously it's a relaxed environment, but do you think that that had an impact on the music and besides um, what was being ingested more about like the atmosphere? Like, do you think that had an effect on why you know, stuff came out good or people felt relaxed there?
2: I think it is absolutely. I, I, you know, it's, it, when you say the dip, what's the difference between, you know, professional studio and, and Mac Tech in the house and the basement and that sort of feel, that's, that's a where it is, what it is, it happens, how it happens kind of moment. I mean, let's talk about some of the greatest music that's ever been made in history. Did they make it in what we would consider a uh, studio today? No, um, it was a completely different environment and you're a product of your environment and feeling comfortable and some of the studios that I've been around in Detroit, these professional studios um, some of them I've liked some of them I have and what was again not me trying to sell you know, a product or a promise or, or something, or the only promise I guess is I want to get what, I want a shot to get what's in here on speakers, I know I've done that like twenty-nine times in the last hour. But if no, I, but
1: obviously that's that's important because that's what you're you're thinking. I mean, that's important to know what you're thinking because obviously we're trying to pick apart what made all this so special. If that's what your main theme was, I mean, that's important, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a comfortable moment. You know, I've had friends of mine that have recorded here. Um, some of the people in the bands that that have been mentioned in this discussion that have come back and said yeah i've been in this studio i've been in that studio and this you know this this is what i liked about mac Tech. this is what i didn't like this is what i did like we've got some compliments about that no matter what somebody told me that no matter what studio they've recorded the best sounding drum kit was it at, at uh at mac Tech. um and I don't know why, but it, I just, that's been a, a huge passion of mine is capturing drums the way that I think my vision of how they are in speakers and stuff. But um, yeah, I think it has everything to do with it. Would it be better if I had you know a, a you know 50,000 square foot space with A rooms and B rooms and C rooms? I'd love to have that experience. Let's do <laughs> it. <Yeah. laughs> um, Maybe someday, or you to know, buy the properties here. And here's the drum house, and the guitar house, and the vocal house, and it's all tied together by fiber, and everything's just peachy. <laughs> but but you know, but to what it creates, to what you want to get, and that's probably why MacTech phased out originally is because more of the people that were coming to MacTech to do to they didn't want to buy computers, they didn't want to buy you know, 24 microphones. They do you want to manage USB mixers and blah, blah blah? But as the cost of that stuff comes down, and the understanding of it and the use of it becomes a little bit more in front of you, just as it just you know, we took a gate away uh, away from the guy that was an analog engineer at a local studio and said, "All right, I can do this in my friggin' house.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, all I have to do is just spend." Fifteen grand on microphones and preamplifiers, as opposed to one hundred fifty thousand dollars for the space. You know, and then this would be equipment. That, you know, that's why that everybody is their own engineer, everybody's their own producer these days, and that's why it was a unique time. I guess to kind of tie back to what I was saying before, to what it meant to go from analog to digital, was understanding the gear, kind of broke the ice to understand it, um, master it. And I, in some scenarios, if you tell me to go back and do this and do that to a track, I'd have to think for a minute because it's been a number of years since I've done, you know, some of that editing um, to the degree that we did a number of years ago. But, um, you know, to answer your question, where you record and how you record has everything to do with it. But I do not think one is better than the other.
1: Okay. Well, I, I guess, yeah, because what you're saying makes sense. I mean, yeah, you would be more comfortable um, at a house doing what how you did it. But then if you think about it, too, you can make an argument that going into a professional setting have you, you know, as long as you don't have any nerves or yips or anything, that might be a scenario that makes you thrive too. Cause it's forcing you. Okay. This is fucking real. I'm in a big time studio. You know, I got to get this shit done. Um, so I could see it going both way, Like what you're saying, like not nah, one's better than the other, maybe the way that it happened helped facilitate cause everybody you know, everybody was younger, the, the, like the, you the didn't space. have the, all the tools, you know?
2: Yeah. The, the space of feeling comfortable, I guess was more of what I'm getting at. I mean, sure a high budget studio has, or if I have one LA two way, they've got 16. Right. You know, or if I've got one of these preamps, they have 20 of them. And, um, so the level of gear comes with the cash, but the, the comfortability, the maintenance of a record, um, has come far more simpler. And that's where, when you manage songs that are 40 to 60 to 70 tracks, and being able to manage that width of a project, and that's not you know um, you know maybe I'm speaking on a line, but your average Joe goes up to Guitar Center and buys an interface and and buys Cubase. Sure, you you know you your five piece band, but when you talk about, I've touched on I think to be proud and not to, uh, just to be proud of. I've touched on some projects that were massive in terms of the logistics of how it gets recorded. Organization of the files.
1: What what did you do with it Was it was all that Pro Tools? Was it Logic? Like what were you using to do all that stuff?
2: Uh, most years I was using Cubase. Nowadays, I mean, I still have Cubase and maintain it, but uh, I use Logic Pro.
1: Yeah, that's what I uh, use. I love it.
2: That's a solid
0: one. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah it's per, it's perfect. I
1: mean, I've been it, trying to get cool. Kevin to get this thing. This I'll, kid's I'll go. I'll get
0: it. I'll get it. Yeah, they all have their
2: little. Tweaks of fun- functionality, but is this not the old television versus Atari argument? You know, or yeah. argument. But discussion that whatever you capture with, if you feel comfortable, but engineering and 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 mastering those water flows of all the auxiliary channels and all that blah blah blah. I mean, my point is, once all that became manageable on a device instead of a big studio, then all of a sudden, but it still can't replace. Um, the expertise, the understanding, and the ingenuity to to manage the whole thing.
0: Uh, sure. Oh, I got GarageBand. Is that good enough? <laughs> <laughs> it work just fine as well. <laughs>
2: there's, there's the, the one greatest tool. The, the two greatest tools. Um, to sound like an AT guy are the ins and the outs. I mean, if you've got good music amplification, good instruments, you're recording through good right. microphones and today preamps, you can buy some that are a bazillion dollars. You can get some that are just interfaces, but that being the, if you record good stuff and you mix and and you, and you uh, critically analyze it with good outward listening gear to, to mix it, then you're, you're fine. You can pretty much accomplish anything.
1: Yeah. All right, I got one last little thing for us. You have to pick one song. Each of us, we're going to pick one song. If you if we're you, right, stuck man. on a desert island and one song was on repeat that Mac has recorded, what would you want that one song to be?
0: <laughs> Jesus, man. Hogan, you're how do you, first. How do you how do, you do that? i
1: got to think about this shit. All right, well, then I'll go first. I, I'm going to have to say I love Incredible Consequences, like a whole album, but I'm going to have to say I think Manistee on repeat. By simplicity.
2: Nice. That's 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 a great pick. Uh, I mean, I love a bunch of stuff.
1: Um, yeah, but what, what could you listen to every day and not bash your own fucking skull in?
2: Uh, I, oblique by bump. Okay, you know? yeah, yeah, that's, that's
1: a sick. that's amazing a yeah. great
2: tune. Uh, antidote, love it. I could listen to it all day long.
1: I like antidote.
2: I I was back with Evan. I mean, there's <laughs> far
0: too many. Uh, there's there's a simple or, uh, there's a native song. It's like yeah 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what that is? Right. I don't know what the name yeah. of these songs are. So
2: yeah, we recorded the saxophone. Yeah. The, yeah, we that one the professional. What's
0: saxophone. the name of that song? Um, it's called Yeah Yeah. Yeah, hold on, let me,
2: let me
0: look. <laughs> let me look. I mean, I could sit here all it's day. He's like, let, let me they, pull up the original DAW file here. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff. Out of it. I mean, how could you even say the one song you want to listen to for the rest of your life?
1: No, not that you want to. It's what you would listen to if you were stuck on a desert island. And it was on repeat.
0: Yeah. So if
2: that were the case, hold on, let me look at something. There
0: was a couple of back off tunes that were like sad and they they were, They were, they conjured up some good emotion for me. <laughs> I, I don't, again, I don't remember the names of them. Wonderful.
2: It, can you guys hear this when I play it?
1: <laughs>
0: now we're having some fun.
1: I can't hear any. Tony appears behind them. Yeah, now I can. Yeah, this is this is good shit, man. This is like Motown. Baby making music right there. Oh yeah. Oh. You you hear it (laughs) all right?
0: Kind of. (laughs) Yeah, I can hear that now. You my, <laughs> my My lights just got lower. <laughs>
1: Kevin's got his hand down his pants right now.
2: So, I mean, there is that. Oh, here. This is the way it finally ended up here. When we talk about wonderful. That sounds great. It sounded like this. It's
0: pretty fucking loud, bro. Yeah. Is it loud? <laughs> yeah. Let me do this. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff, man.
1: That should, that should be submitted. You should. That, you have a glass of scotch in your hand. It should be a scotch commercial. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the dude just picks up the glass and the music starts, dude. There you go. I don't know if that's the song I was talking about though.
0: What's that? not? I don't I don't
1: I don't know. I'll figure it out. We'll stick to the <laughs> rivers and the lakes that you're used to. We should there, do this boy. again
0: though for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll have you back. But thank you for coming on uh to our buddy Mac. Thank you, bro. It's been uh, enlightening yeah, that as was usual. Awesome.
2: Maurice, thank you for having me on the show. No problem, no problem. Great, great, good times. Good to see you guys both on the- uh <laughs> Rock and roll. I'd love to jump in on another talk. You know, we get into this what gun control and all that kind of shit. Or, you we'll know, get into well, we, how far
0: we are we good
1: at that kind of stuff? We right? can get into some crazy shit next yeah. time, but uh, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll figure that out. But uh, thanks again for coming on. We and, got uh, we'll certain catch-
0: parameters we got got to watch <laughs> out
1: for. <bro. laughs> we'll, catch you, we'll catch you guys on the uh, flip side though, when we don't know what the next episode is. So we'll see you next time. All, all right.
0: See. Right.